This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello and welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks for taking the time to join us on today. A special welcome as always to those of you joining us for the first time. We are returning to our series where we've been talking about the sinister culture that's at work in UX today. Something that's basically unearthing UX is rebranding it. It, There's just a lot of things that are going on with this massive number of, of people, massive wave of people that's coming into UX. Interestingly, they're coming in, a lot of them, with rose-colored glasses on. They don't really understand what the discipline is and what they be doing when they get over here. A lot of people hear that UX is easy, so they want to come in. A lot of people have heard about the salaries, so they come in. A lot of people feel like they can get a whole lot for doing little or nothing, so they come in. You don't have a lot of people actually trying to get into UX because they love the discipline or are interested. When those people come into the discipline, that's going to work out in some way, form, or fashion. When you come in for the right reason, things are going to play out pretty well. Those people are going to bring value. Those people are going to be grounded. Those people are going to have thicker skin or be willing to develop that thicker skin. Those people are interested in in, and have a great passion for doing the absolute best they can for users and for the business. Those aren't the sinister people today. It's the people that bring these other traits that we've been talking about. And I want to talk about today one, two, three different topics on today. And there's going to be some overlap. There's going to be some things I've talked about already that are related to some of these things. But we want to bring up three different aspects, three different things that can be associated with this sinister culture that's, that is at large in UX today. So we're going to cover numbers 29, 30, and 31 as I have them on my list today. So if you're ready, let's go. Number 29 and the first one for today, ignorant critics. <laughs> and there's no other way to say it, there are people who occupy space in user experience that are in the business of either putting their stamp of approval on something or deeming something to be not worthy of anyone's time or something that's not accurate or all types of things. Oh, this is not good. Oh, this is too much. Oh, this is not really UX. Um, Something I, I told to someone recently when they said, I, I know I don't know that much about UX right now. How can I tell or what can I do to help me identify when somebody is presenting information that I should avoid? Now, in general, you can't. There's When, you, when you're just getting started, you don't have a filter. But I gave the person a couple of shortcuts. And, and most notably, the one I'm going to share here right now when you can identify these ignorant critics, again, there's no other way to say it. And I'm not into sugarcoating things anyway. Uh, if somebody's ignorant, they're just ignorant. And, and if you're ignorant, ignore is a verb. Some people are ignorant because they choose to be. Some people are ignorant because they just haven't come across the information yet and digested it. Uh, both are going to result in suffering consequences, but one is worse than the other. And when you have people who are on the verb side of ignorance, the people who choose to be, that's where you have your sinister component 
today. So you've got these people and 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 they're everywhere. So again, how do you what's an easy way to spot them? When you see people, especially when you see people, they might be on Twitter, they might be on LinkedIn. A lot of times they're on LinkedIn. I'm not even going to talk about Reddit. Reddit's a, a cesspool that's only two stone throw away from, from medium when you really look at it. But what you want to do is look up a person's profile. When you see a person talking, when you see people saying, hey, this is a great way to learn UX. The best way to learn UX is to go out and teach other people. When you know you don't know anything, teaching other people is not how you gain expertise. It's interesting that the people who recommend things like that are the people who have no background in education. I don't care who they said they trained. The There's a science of education, and then there's people who somebody uh, anointed them and asked them to go and train somebody. It's two different things. Now, some people actually understand the process of education, the science behind education, and so... Back to my point, when you see people talking about whatever, go on LinkedIn and look up their profile. How long have they been doing the work? What are their credentials? These are things that ironically, people who don't know very much and don't have credentials and don't have education, don't have the background, always when they find somebody who does and they try to cast aspersions because they're always trying to eliminate us from the equation, then that way it's a, it becomes a free-for-all. So you don't want to be one of those people. Look up someone's profile. Look and see how long they've been doing the work. Look and see what their track record is. Look and see how they advanced, if they have advanced. Look and see how they have advanced in the discipline. And and if somebody just sort of went from being a hot dog vendor to the director, you know there's a problem. You don't just go straight to the top of the mountain. That's not how things work. You A person has to work their way up. A person has to gradually improve. A person has to to lay brick by brick and putting together the building of their career. So when you see people who have moved too fast, that's when you usually have a problem. Another thing you can do is, and, and some people might take umbrage with this, but I was talking to somebody about this at the last UX Chit Chat Hour. That has ended now. There is no more UX Chit Chat Hour, at least not headed by me. D. Sattler is going to be having a meeting. Uh, her next one is on the 15th of December at 12 noon. I highly recommend that you go and join her for that. But what I was doing, my three-year stint of UX Chit Chat is over. I won't be doing that anymore. But we had a, a conversation in the last session, and it was interesting how someone admitted when you're in a certain position, it was a great story that the person shared, that they they came to the realization they were ignorant, and when they came to the realization they were ignorant, that's when they began to grow. What a novel idea, right? And that person acknowledged that they were able to grow, and this is the part I was making reference to, by connecting to true seniors. And when you interact with people who've been doing the work for 15, 20, 25 years and have advanced their way through the discipline went and made sure that we were qualified, especially before we started talking, all this put yourself out there, which we're going to talk about today too, that's some dangerous stuff and has contributed to the onslaught of misinformation that's running rampant in UX today. That person recognized that by connecting to people who were very seasoned in the discipline, it basically accelerated, not only helped them to grow, 
helped them to build that that filter quickly and accurately, but it helped it ex- actually accelerated their growth. So a lot of times a person can accelerate their growth in UX because you you actually apply yourselves to things that really matter because if you learn something that's inaccurate, if you embrace a a, a, a mindset that is inaccurate, you're going to have to go back and dig up and root up and get rid of all that stuff that you've done, which is a waste of time and a waste of energy. I, I have a saying, I do it often, it's do it once and do it right. And, and when you find out, when you connect to the right people, it's going to help you grow. You're not going to spin your wheels. You're not going to have to go back and clean up spilled milk, if you will. So these ignorant critics, they don't they don't do that. They're not associated with that. And then they go around and try and establish themselves as, as some type of an authority figure. That's not good for the discipline. It's not good for the individual. I wish people all the best. And I hope that people who are doing this are able to, to do like what the other person mentioned, to recognize that they were ignorant and then go and start putting the building together correctly, so to speak. That's when everybody benefits. But when somebody gets out there and they're critiquing something that they really don't they really don't understand or know what they're talking about, and then you have that person talking to new UXers who really don't have a filter, they will take for granted that that person knows what they're talking about, and now you got X number of people that are on a bad path. So the the abounding of ignorant critics, big problem in UX today, and until people get honest, like the aforementioned person, this is going to continue. So it's big, it's happening all over the place, and so until people make themselves a committee of one to make sure that what they say and do and share is accurate, uh, this will continue to be a problem. All right, let's move on to the next one. Number 30 on the list, and this is related to the put yourself out there mentality. And I've talked about this a few times, but it deserves to be on this list. There's a a move in UX. uh, It comes out of boot camps, a, a lot of other sources where people will say, you know what? You need to go and connect to as many people as possible. And the problem with this is you get into, and I believe I've talked about this in another one of the sinister traits is that people engage themselves in what I call blind connecting. So they're told by someone to go and connect. So they do. They they see a post. They see that somebody else likes something that you said or did or that someone said or did. So they decide they're going to connect. But they have no idea who they're connecting to. They have no idea what the person they're connecting to stands for. They have no idea what school of thought a person is presenting. So you basically people are engaging in, in faux connections there we're we're connected in the system, but we're not connected in principle. We're not connected in substance and, and a connection on social media that is only done through the system, but is not done through substance and integrity and reliability. That's a faux connection. It's fake. And it's a matter of time before that connection falls apart, before that connection becomes painful for one or both parties. And, and and when I say painful, I mean it's not going to benefit because people will hear the truth and 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 claim that they're in pain because of the truth. When truth hurts you, you have an issue. 
if, if truth causes you to be in some type of psychological or or uh, cognitive pain, that actually is indicating a flaw in the person who has the pain, not in the source of the pain. So we need to understand that today. That is an emotional intelligent commercial right there, if you will. So that means that somebody has a, an EQ deficiency is what it's referring to. So we don't want full connections today. And, and I remember, just by way of example, somebody connected to me once, blind connection. They had no idea who they were connected to. They had no idea. They just saw somebody else connected, so they connected. And then when the time came for us to engage, and eventually it's likely, it's not 100% likely, but it's to an extent, it's likely that you're going to have actual interactions, and that's when you're going to find out that there's a problem with the connection, that it's not one of substance. And I connected to somebody one day, and, and they, these people who are part of the put-yourself-out-there mentality, these are the people that are always talking a lot on social media, and they talk for the sake of talking. They don't have any knowledge. They don't have any information. They know that they don't know anything, but somebody said, put yourself out there. And somebody said, you need to learn by teaching. And somebody said, fake it till you make it. And so now these people are operating and they should be quiet and they should be listening. That's a better way to grow is not to teach, but to be quiet and take substance in and then go on and digest that and apply it. That That's how you learn through practice, through presentation, application, and feedback hearing some information, going out and putting it to use, and then getting feedback as to how well or how poorly you apply that that presentation. That's how things are supposed to work. Uh, and if and people are going straight to the point where they are the presenters. And you ever heard a, a four-year-old kid lead a speech on, on uh, Wall Street? No, you won't because they, they can't do it. And, and the same thing applies to any other discipline. You name the discipline, you will never hear somebody who was a novice leading the charge. Folks, we were all novices. I used to be a novice. And when I was a novice, I was not somewhere pretending that I was not. Matter of fact, I was quiet for about 16 or 17 years before anybody even knew I existed when it came to a, a presentation or a thought leadership perspective. So and I recommended other people do the same thing. I learn a lot by listening. I found out who brought something to the table, who brought value, who knew their their stuff, and I listened to them. And I made it a point to understand and glean from them. That That's how you grow, not by going out there and making yourself to be somebody that folks need to listen to, especially when your cupboards are bare. When your cupboards are bare, you can't serve anything. So you can't serve any meals. That's just That's just how that works. So at any rate, I interacted with somebody once, one of these faux connections, and the person was just going back and forth with me. And every time they said something, I just, I would just, just, oh no, I don't believe that. I don't believe the person said that. They had no idea what they were talking about. But here's the bigger problem. It's one thing for a person to not know what they're talking about, but it's another thing for a person to not know, to insist on continuing to talk but not being able to recognize what the other person or persons know. And so people, these kinds of people who ascribe to that type of mindset that I just mentioned, they just maintain their, 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 their intensity and they just keep going forward. And it doesn't matter who says anything to them. They're going to blow 
that person off because they insist on being the one that people listen to. And, and that simply is not the case. And when I was having this conversation, the person told me UX is constantly changing. And, and when that person said that, that was my red flag. So I did, as I instructed you a few moments ago, I knew there was a problem, but I want to know how bad the problem is. And I want to go and evaluate what I'm perceiving. So I go to the person's LinkedIn profile. And, and when I go to the person's LinkedIn profile, they have been in UX, not really doing the work the entire time, but based on their own profile, they'd only been doing UX about a year and a half to two years. And you could tell where they had worked that they did not have a broad vantage point, which you also cannot get in two years. So people have something to say, even if it's just telling their own story. But when you don't have much experience, you don't have a lot to share. It's, it's, that's just the 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 A to the Z. It's just that's just it. You you simply don't, and there's there's no way around that. And so the person tells me UX is constantly changing, and I'm going, wow, you're trying to tell me, so you're completely ignoring my 28 plus years, trying to tell me what UX is doing when you really just got here. That that's problematic, and the person just would not let up. And and in the post where we started engaging. I was talking about pure UX versus the cult of UX. And the person told me, he said, I was talking about how important it was to know the fundamentals, to make sure that that was a part of one's foundation in UX in order to grow properly. And the person said, well, isn't, and this is a quote, isn't embracing UX fundamentals more like the cult of UX? That was one of the most asinine statements I think I've ever heard when it comes to talking about UX. You are not going to learn fundamentals, and and that helps you to establish a foundation. That helps you to understand the discipline. And when I talk about the cult of UX, I'm talking about people who are fabricating things. I'm talking about people that are trying to, to change what UX is. I'm talking about people that are hearing old things and rebranding it. I'm talking about people who have no accountability. I'm talking about people who embrace anarchy instead of order. When it comes to the discipline. And so this person is basically wants to take the concept, the recommendation to embrace UX fundamentals and flush it down the toilet. That is insane. It is amateuristic. It is a foolish proposition that someone would try to advance within the discipline by doing such a thing. And so look at this, this grotesque levels of arrogance, just grow. And arrogance is Un, un, how can you say, <laughs> it's confidence that is unjustified is the way that I usually put it. So here's a person being confident for no good reason whatsoever, which is also what someone else would call delusional. It's a state of delusion for a person to feel like that. So this person is trying to tell me about the state of UX. This person is trying to tell me that embracing UX fundamentals is more cult-like. And at that point, I realized, you know, at this point, you can't have a conversation. There, there was no conversing with this individual, and then I had to block them because I believe in peace of mind. I love peace. And so you can't have peace if you have people who don't even understand what peace is accessing your brain. So that was the end of that. And there's also a group, a group of people out there, by way of another example, that they engage in a lot of propaganda, we're not talking about propaganda on this show. I don't talk about propaganda when I deliver my talks. 
I deliver subjects that I am convinced are going to help vault people forward in the discipline should they choose to embrace what it is that we're talking about. It's going to help people to grow. It's going to help people to evaluate themselves, to impact their teams, to impact their customers, to impact their UX maturity levels inside of their organizations, personal UX maturity levels. And But there's times where people, they just decide that things should be a particular way. And no matter what you say or what you do, they're just going to embrace that mindset. And so I refer to that as bias-based propaganda. We're, we are the bias police as UX professionals. We are the bias police. We need to manage our own biases, recognize and manage our own biases. We need to recognize and manage biases at work on our teams, among our stakeholders, among our clients. It is our job to recognize that and manage it. If we cannot recognize and manage our own biases, uh, things are going to get ugly and they're going to get ugly really, really, really fast. And when I hear people get on some type of a bandwagon that they just will not get off of, that's pretty bad. And and unfortunately, that's where the, the put yourself out there people, they're like this a lot. The people who engage in these faux connections, you connect with them out of respect many times, even when you don't know them. I do. Uh, and then next thing you know, here's this interaction that makes absolutely no sense where when you take it and you dissect it, you find out that a lot of times people are just embracing bias-based propaganda. They are just determined to to just stick, just keep their mind on a particular topic or point of focus no matter what's going on. And, and that just simply doesn't help. And so don't put yourself out there don't engage in faux connections because neither are beneficial. If you have something to say, it's going to come out. You don't even have to worry about it. It's going to come out. If you excel at what you do, somebody else is going to find out and they're going to promote you both at work and in the community. So, so these things sort of take care of themselves. And then connecting with people for the sake of connecting, I, I, I'm also reminded of another example with someone who connected with me and they didn't like something that I said on LinkedIn. And I mentioned this very thing because I recognized it as a blind connection. And, and, I'm, and the person made reference to something that I talk about a lot as if I'm not talking about that. And I make it a point to understand who I'm talking to. I do hold other people accountable for the same thing. That's just That just makes sense. Why are you going to interact with people and don't know who you're interacting with? So I make it a point to understand something about the people I engage with, and I do expect people who in interact with me to do the same. So if you in engage with me, and I'm talking about the sinister culture of UX, and I'm breaking it down to the nth degree as much as I can within this, this medium, and I'm talking about something and bringing up something over and over and over and over and over again, and someone engages in a conversation with me demonstrating that they have no knowledge of that. I, I brought it up. And then the person accused me of being air. You expect people to understand her uh, to an extent fully without flaw with complete granularity. No, that's impossible. Didn't ask anybody to do that. But I talk about the things that we were talking about so much that it let me know the person had no idea of, of what my MO was, no idea 
of what I tend to talk about the most, things of that nature. But really, the person actually, they didn't bring that up because they really felt that. Uh, the person was a gaslighter. And some people bring certain topics up as a defense mechanism. And, and that's what happened. And the person wanted to stick to a particular subject. It was it was wrong. It was bias-based. Uh, and, and it was just not, not a good thing. And so I recognized it. So I'm going to ensure my own psychological safety when others are not. And we got to stop putting that off on other people. Let's, let's take responsibility for our own psychological safety. And then I, I separated myself from that conversation because it simply wasn't beneficial after, after a certain point, it, it didn't make any sense. And a lot of times I'll come across people and they'll say they, they disagree with something. So they say they're really disavowing. And then they say, Hey, this platform is meant for discussions. Actually, it's not. And, and, and even if it is, can we have discussions? Yes. But when a conversation turns into a dictation, that's no longer grounds for maintaining connectivity with somebody. When people when people want to start gaslighting and subjecting people to abuse, it's time to end that discussion. So these types of things, when, when any person who's engaging in these faux connections, they're going to experience this a lot. Uh, I'm not tolerant of it. I have zero tolerance for such things. And if you want to have a high degree of psychological safety, I recommend you do the same. Uh, I had somebody who blocked me recently because I would not listen in their mind to what I was to what they were saying when actually I was listening to what they're saying. I was digesting it and I was presenting counterpoints. Now, if you're going to be in a conversation, you need to know and understand somebody might have a counterpoint. If I'm in, engaging with you and you have a valid counterpoint, I want to hear it. But I don't have to submit to anybody's bias-based propaganda. That that simply is not going to happen. And eventually, we're going to have to part ways. We can only engage when people are willing to respect the people that they're interacting with. And once that ends, then it's over. So that is it for that topic. Let's move on to our last topic for the day. So this one, and it's related to the attacks on seniors there are many up-and-comers in UX today, and they engage in rhetoric and initiatives that basically, uh, you can call these people the nullifiers. There's a group of people out there, one of their main goals is they want to achieve acceptance, they want to achieve viability in the discipline, but in order to do that, they want to eliminate the people who've already achieved it. That makes no sense. Not when it comes to logic, not when it comes to ethics. And so, but these are the things that are happening today. They want to nullify the accomplishments as well as the qualifications of people who are seasoned in the discipline. Now, as you hear me say that, you know it makes no sense. Well, imagine how broad it is. And folks, it's broad. It is happening a lot, a lot. And speaking of the faux connections and engagements, I spoke to somebody once and they said, when someone says, this is a quote, that they have X number of years in UX, there should be a way to confirm it. I went and I looked up the, I knew there was a red flag again. And I went and looked up the person's profile on LinkedIn and they had about a year, maybe even less, I can't remember for sure, but roughly approximately one year of experience. 
And guess who can't understand or be able to verify how much experience somebody else has? The person who was claiming that we need to be able to do that. It, it was just, it, it's interesting how they just want to remove this thing. They want to put themselves in a position of authority that is going to take them years to achieve. They just want to go there. And, and in so doing, though, they'll unseat people who are who are already there. It's, it's really, really weird. And, and that brings a second example, something that I, I have seen only maybe over the last year or two, but there's a lot of people, and this is on the same point, there are people who call themselves mentors and there are people who are calling other people mentors, but these people are not mentors. We've talked about it before to one extent where the people, some people who call themselves mentors are nothing but, they're just portfolio reviewers. They're not even qualified to be someone's mentors. They don't know what to tell you to do to advance your career because they haven't advanced. All they know how to do is review portfolios. But there's another faux mentor out there. This mentor, and this is something, again, it's on the rise. There are these people, they call themselves mentors. They connect with junior UXers. The junior UXer will have a problem at work that they're trying to solve. And they'll go to the quote-unquote mentor. Now, it, it comes across as if they're trying to get some assistance, trying to get some perspectives. But folks, that's not what's happening. They're going to the pseudo-mentor, and they're actually operating at their place of employment as an extension of the pseudo-mentor. They're, they're presenting what they're trying to do to the pseudo-mentor. The pseudo-mentor then tells them, this is what you should do. Not educating them, not teaching them how to fish, but fishing for them, basically, doing the work for them, being almost like a proxy type of an operation. Then the junior UXer goes back to work, does exactly what, to the best they can, they go back and do what the quote-unquote mentor instructed them to do, and this becomes a vicious cycle where the junior UXer never learns how to operate on their own they just, they got a situation. They just go tell the, the quote unquote mentor about what's going on. They get the advice. They go back and they do it. And they just ping pong back and forth between the project and the so-called mentor. That's not a mentor. That's not a mentor. Quite frankly, that's a person who act, who is telling you, who in a sense doing your job for you. You're satisfied because you're taking credit because they're not, these people are not going back to work and then doing stuff and saying that they got this information from somewhere else. They're taking credit for it when really they don't know what to do, which is why it's funny. Those people, when they go to meetings, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do because everything that they do is fabricated through that false relationship, another faux relationship. Again, this is starting to happen more and more in UX circles, and it is terrible, it's wrong, it's unethical. If you want to be good, be good, get good. You want to be qualified, be qualified, get qualified. But operating, in a sense, as someone else at work, that's not really being a UXer. That's faking your way into a check, 
is really what it is. It's a misrepresentation. And so anybody out there, if you're doing it, it's time to learn what to do and start doing it and not be dependent. That's the other thing. These fake mentors, they're trying to operate. They have you in a state of dependency. You're dependent on them. If something happens to them, you are in dire straits. You are in trouble because all you, everything you know how to do is coming from that other person. So this is not a good thing. This is not a good thing. And it is tempting sometimes when people present you with a challenge. I experience it too. They present you with a challenge and you start talking about that challenge. And I'm, I'm starting to learn to be more careful about how I say and what I say so that I'm not doing their work for them. Because a lot of people, that's that's all they want is to get an answer. They're not going to give you credit. I mean, I've had a lot stolen from me over the years, but now it's becoming popular and consistent amongst junior UXers. Let's get rid of that. It's not good. It's not ethical. It's not accurate. It's not right. And those people, when they get one-on-one with a stakeholder, that lack of awareness, that lack of skill, that lack of, of qualification is going gonna, is gonna to show itself. And when it shows itself, those people don't care anything about your longevity. And now you got another problem on your hands. So it's okay to talk to a mentor, but learn how to fish. Don't don't let the mentor do the work for you. That that's not that's not good. And and me, I need to make sure don't do anybody's work for them. Don't do it. Don't do it. If we're gonna collaborate, that's one thing. Uh, I mean, I, I remember in my career once I helped a group of junior UXers with a research initiative and it was a huge success and they went back and took all the credit and then tried to basically push me out of the room like I wasn't even there. That's how that's how vindictive and how corrupt they were that the person that helped you to get the success, you never they never told the stakeholders and never told the client where where all this information and all these ideas and all the structure for the research came from. They just got it from me and then basically did the equivalent of the metaphorical equivalent of killing me and throwing me in a ditch and taking credit. So it's really sad, but this is one of the ways that people are attacking seniors today. And it doesn't come across as an attack to the seniors, but it really is because they represent themselves as being valuable and indispensable. But that's really not the case at all. So I'm just letting you know, if you haven't seen it yet, stick around because folks are not going to stop doing it. Folks are not going to hear this episode, hear about this episode, and then stop. They're, they're gonna, it's, been, it's been on the rise, actually, for the last, now that I think about it, I've been seeing it for the last, uh, man, the first time I saw this was in 2011. It was in 2011. That's the first time I saw people doing this type of thing. So now it's popular with all these people who are coming in. They just got in the door and they're doing it. So, so yeah, 2011 is the first time I've seen it. It's on the rise. All seniors, be aware. If you haven't experienced it, it's likely that you will. Depends on where you go. Because there's a lot of people out there who are trying to present themselves as being indispensable when really – they they bring nothing to the table. And and again, if you're not qualified, just go get qualified. If if you don't have the knowledge, just go get the knowledge. But this whole fake it till you make it and the fronts, uh, the, these things are ridiculous. But again, we're talking about the sinister culture at work in, in UX today. And the last point 
which is all uh, is still part of the same issue of the attacks on seniors. And it's a very interesting ways that, that these attacks manifest themselves. There was a a you a blog post on on Medium, which is a cesspool because anybody can write anything. So it's not it doesn't go through uh, editor approval to show up on Medium. Somebody just writes it. And I got a notification where somebody had written something. And a lot of people, they write, they use clickbait. When you see clickbait, learn how to recognize clickbait and just ignore it because they're just trying to draw you in so you'll read it. And they get when they get X number of clicks, then they're going to get paid and things like that or whatever. Or sometimes it's just a catering to the ego. Oh, I had a thousand likes, you know, but you trick people into reading it. So a thousand likes, what's that worth? I saw a post on Medium. Uh, the one I got the notification for. And I, all I saw was the headline. I wasn't going to read it because it was clickbait. But it was also incorrect. And and it and it's targeted in a, in a broad, from a broad perspective, I should say. Debating how I was going to say that. They said that resumes are dead. It's obvious that that person has no background in human resources. Resumes have been around for eons, they will continue to be around for eons. But here's what they're trying to do. When some people are trying to say that resumes are not important, we don't want to see them anymore, you shouldn't need to do them anymore, we just need to just get rid of resumes, resumes are silly. Resumes are actually the main thing. that, Besides an application, resumes come next, that people are going to want to see your resume. They actually might see the resume when they don't see the the application the when someone's trying to eliminate resumes from the picture and it's sad that people do this but a lot of people they want to get rid of something because it's not something that they thrive in they want to get rid of things that are causing them to be on the outside they accuse people like me of being gatekeepers when in fact it's their own non-qualification lack of preparation, lack of accountability that's keeping them out. These people are keeping themselves out, then they blame somebody else. It, it, it's really sad because no, nobody's laboring to keep anybody out. But the truth is, and this goes for me too, we keep ourselves out when we don't meet the need or the perceived need of a hiring, uh, a hiring source, if you will. So if we don't match... Why, why should they spend time looking at us anymore? So that's what actually shuts people out, not somebody, you, you need to know this. Actually, you do need to know that. So why don't you just go get it? If you don't know anything about information architecture, go learn it. If you don't know anything about UX research, go and figure it out. And that goes for people who are coming over from academia. That, that's an interesting bunch because they assume that UX research and academic research are the same. They are not. So when people are transitioning in, they need to learn what UX research is like. They need to learn about the timelines. They need to learn about the options. They need to learn about how to engage with stakeholders, uh, which is something that happens on a completely different level in academia. So resumes, back to the point, are they dead? Absolutely not. And you need to make sure that it's accurate, you need to make sure there's no typos. You need to make sure there's no punctuation issues. You need to make sure it's presented properly. But don't do like the one person that I talked to once when I was a hiring manager and the person gave their resume because 
The resume determined whether or not you were going to get an interview. Not the por- not the portfolio. The resume was. The person lied on their resume. And the person claimed to have a certification from Nielsen Norman Group in wireframes. There is no certification in wireframes. I don't know why they thought they were going to get away with that. I don't know why they thought that they were going to engage with somebody and they don't know anything about Nielsen Norman Group certifications. But I caught the person in a lie and their candidacy ended immediately. And guess what? They're not going to hear about that from anybody. They're just no longer going to be qualified. So uh, they're no longer going to be considered. So resumes, folks, they are important. Folks still need to focus on their resumes. You still need to execute properly on your resumes. I highly recommend the Knock'em Dead series if you want to look at how to present things and present them the right way. There used to be a book called Trash Proof Resumes. I do believe it was published by Princeton Review. I do believe it's out of print now, so you can't get that anymore, but you cannot go wrong with the Knock'em Dead series. I highly recommend it. Those of you, another little tip on when it comes to interviewing, there's a book called 60 Seconds and You're Hired. I highly recommend it. Very small book, but it packs a wallop of a punch. Please go out, get that book, and it will help you in your efforts when it comes to interviewing. So that is it for part 10 of the Sinister Culture of UX, uh, the, the Sinister series, as we've been calling it for short. I hope you've heard something that will help you. Uh, please be aware out there. Be determined to build a filter. Be determined to build a filter in UX. You will not be sorry. So that is all the time we have for today. This is Darren Hood signing off and wishing everyone all the best. So until next time, happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.